millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. World Soccer Talk Radio here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Coming to you live from headquarters in the great city by the bay. My name is Nate Abarea. Oh, how I love you, San Francisco. Thank you so much for subscribing to us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Checking out the website, worldsoccertalk.com. Twitter, at World Soccer Talk, at Sports Byline USA. Tweet me with the love mail and the hate mail at NateWST. And a very special hello, as always, to our men and women overseas listening on the American Forces Network. What a day yesterday. The drive from my hometown, the soccer hotbed, the Mexican soccer hotbed of Watsonville, California, up Highway 1 to San Francisco, through Davenport, through Pescadero, through Half Moon Bay. And then I got to San Francisco at about 9.30 at night, and I went straight to Franklin Square, where under the lights, San Francisco City FC was having their first practice of their fall season. Let me tell you a little bit about San Francisco City FC. They're a supporter-owned, supporter-run club playing right now in the NorCal Premier League, looking to advance into the PDL, the NPSL, or if the NASL were ever, ever to, you know, cross the Mississippi River and come out west. Maybe we'll talk about that. But regardless of what league they're playing in, this thing is done the right way. And let me tell you a little bit about the play out there. Last night, you had guys from Stanford, guys who plays at, played at Harvard. You had a couple of English lads mixed in with dudes who were gritty, former Cal State D2 players from the likes of Sonoma and Chico and a number of other schools. It was a great, great time quality football on display great coaching great atmosphere around the uh the team and the logo is absolutely beautiful the colors are gorgeous and the philosophy is what it's all about grassroots soccer baby from the ground up whether it's in chattanooga louisville kentucky anywhere or right here in the great city by the bay from the ground up grassroots soccer is what it's all about it is beautiful come on sfc FC. Look them up, San Francisco City Football Club. We've got a great show for you today. Adam Hurry, the author of Football Clichés, a book that I've been reading religiously over the last few weeks. I absolutely love this thing. And we're going to talk all about this book of football clichés on the other side of this break with the author of the book, Adam Hurry, right here on World Soccer Talk Radio Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned, baby. 
best matches. Live, wherever you are, with Fox Soccer to go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for, freesoccertrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S. Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting because at DraftKings.com, you could start the season by winning a piece of $10 million. And for the first time, DraftKings will crown two millionaires in one day. DraftKings is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your winnings. Don't wait until the end of the season to get paid. You've already been scouting players for your season-long fantasy team Put that knowledge to the test in week one and every week this football season at DraftKings.com. You could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Start by winning your share of $10 million. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Get to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ATTACK to play free for your shot at the $2 million top prize in the week one Millionaire Maker. That's ATTACK for free entry at DraftKings.com. It's fall flooring season with incredible deals on the hottest styles right now at Lumber Liquidator's Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale. Choose from over 400 great floors with over 20 laminate styles like American-made mahogany for just 49 cents a square foot. More than 30 bamboo floors like carbonized bamboo for only $159. And over 150 hardwood floors like pre-finished gunstock oak for only 99 cents. With a dollar off Bella with 20% off Dream Home Laminates. Plus great floors, wood-like tile, vinyl, and more. With 24-month special financing, the Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale is going on now. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you. World Soccer Talk Radio back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Coming to you live from headquarters right here in San Francisco, California. The great city by the bay. My name is Nate Abarea. Tweet me with the love mail and the hate mail at NateWST. Tweet us all at World Soccer Talk. Our guest in this edition of the show is the author of a book entitled Football Clichés. His name is Adam Hurry. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Nate. How are you doing? I am doing uh, mighty well, and let's get right into this book. I absolutely <laughs> love this thing. I've been reading it, as I said in the opening, religiously over the uh, the past few weeks when I got my advanced copy. And what I want to know first off, I asked this to quite a few authors on this show, but but this one is real interesting. Where did this idea come from to write a book on footballing cliches? 
Okay, well, I guess this this kind of fascination I had started maybe twenty years ago when when growing up I decided I wanted to be a football commentator when I was a, when I grew up. Uh, that dream sadly died, and then instead I, I spent several years kind of writing about these sort of strange words and phrases that I was noticing as I was watching football, and you know I had a blog, and then eventually the Twitter page came along, and then the opportunity came up to to write a book and gather all these thoughts that I've been putting together over these years, and I just I realised that I had I had all these kind of vague observations that I that I gathered together, and I wanted to know if anyone else had shared my fascination with it to it to any extent at all so i put it in a book and thankfully some people bought it now adam what qualifies as a cliche for you well if you take the definition of a cliche in any context which is which is kind of a word or a phrase that has become so embedded in a in, in a language over time that it becomes almost um you know too true to even work it's too true to even bother saying it's 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 become so accepted. It's, it's a ex- piece of accepted wisdom that everybody knows but says anyway. And it's become just a thing that represents what you're trying to say perfectly and better than anything else. And uh, the reason that applies so well in football is that really, if you think about it, it's quite a simple game. But yet it's been covered to within an inch of its life all around the world. And there are only so many ways of describing what happens in a football game. So you have to resort to cliches at certain point to describe you know, certain parts of a game or something that goes on around it. One of my favorite cliches in the entire world, you could say, is a cliche of a cliche. It's an age-old adage. One of, one of my favorites yeah. of, of all. Now, this is where, this is the interesting turn for me as I was reading the book, and especially uh, the eighth chapter on uh, football broadcasters, and we'll we'll get more into that <laughs> here a little bit later. But is it possible, in your opinion, Adam, for someone to create new sayings here in the year 2015 that's that's not a quote-unquote cliche or a, an age-old adage is there still linguistic creativity that is available to find in this world or or has everything been explained <laughs> with every analogy and cliche that has already been come up with well as i said you know football is is got to that point where it But towards the end of the book, I kind of explored about, you know, what, are there any sort of new words and phrases coming into football um, that might eventually become cliche? And it, it's, it's, it's tough to identify them as they're happening. And uh, to me, that, to me it's, it's difficult to identify them so early. But, yeah, I guess it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, I guess the, the gestation period, if you like, of a cliche has become shorter. So it gets to the point where, you know, if a famous broadcaster here in the UK uses a phrase... Um, it, you know, quite commonly within a short space of time, people are going to leap on that and, and use it as their trademark. Now, is a, is a person's trademark technically a cliche? Perhaps not. But it, that's where it, we're at these days, where we attach certain words and phrases to certain people and then people use them themselves. And that's perhaps how they grow. But yeah, I guess football language has to evolve like any other type of language and we'll get there eventually, I suppose. Absolutely. Again, we're here with Adam Hurry, the author of Football Clichés, and I love the description on the front of the book, decoding the oddball phrases, colorful gestures, and unwritten rules of soccer across the pond. Now, within this book, you share kind of the the vantage point of a player, of a coach, of an owner, of a fan, a journalist, a broadcaster, a pundit. There's so many different angles that you come at within this book. Which one was was the most enjoyable for you in terms of the creative process? I think um, I, I wanted to get the kind of the 360 degree aspect to it because my the, the point I made right at the start of the book is that cliches aren't a bad thing. 
necessarily they can be a good thing they can be a perfect way of describing situation or they can be a terrible you know useless way of describing something but i think the 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 bit I enjoyed writing the most was um, uh, drawing upon my experience of amateur football as a player and uh, the phrases that I used to hear on the pitches here in the UK that used to just happen all the time. And it, and it got to the point where I thought people must be aware of these things and they're, they're saying them week in, week out. Uh, but, but they weren't. They, it just became almost robotic for people to say certain words and phrases that to me were meaningless. But they were just added to the experience of, of amateur football. And then, of course, naturally... I found myself doing it as well. I, you know, I'm guilty of, of football cliches as much as anybody else. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it's just part of the experience of amateur football. You're, you're saying these words and phrases just to feel like you're involved and it, almost to the point so that you feel like you're a professional player. You want to get into that world. An old, an old friend of mine uh, from, from the north of England, he said, uh, in, in amateur football, as a coach, it's not what you say, it's how loudly you say it uh, that, that truly matters. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. What, what were some of your favorite, favorite things that you would hear uh, uh, from amateur football coaches uh, over in England? Oh, um, there's, there's so many sort of strange golden rules that you would hear. Uh, when I was growing up as a kid, um, uh, our manager used to shout us almost only one thing every game, which was back and face. Because it was because it it was this fear of, of these of this temptation of of children footballers just to run after the ball and not have any awareness of what was going on around them. So because so when the opposition had a goal kick, our entire team used to turn our backs on the ball and just run back, uh, you know, run back to where we were. And our, our manager had this uh, instant realization: we had no idea what was going on, so he just told us to turn around and run backwards, and that was back and face. But uh, and then as you go on. Uh, a classic example of, of what I'm talking about um, is if the opposition get a throw in deep in their own half, there is this there's this golden rule in football that you have to go and box them in. So everyone runs up and really tries to put pressure on them, knowing full well that in, in, in amateur football, no one has the skill to, uh, to to really make that into any any sort of attack because you know that they're just going to boot it clear. So it's um yeah it's the act of amateur football is basically just trying to play out a a, a version of what you think professional football is like. Well, for me, this is, this is a really interesting conversation as a uh, as a high school soccer coach uh, here in here in California. The amount of of British vernacular that that leaks into into my mind and, and it comes out at at high volumes. I'm yelling at these poor poor American children, and the the one that always <laughs> the one that always leaks out more than any, of course. And I'm sure you're not going to be surprised by this in the least if you've ever listened to the show and you know my attitude towards the game of soccer. Get stuck yeah. in out there. Get stuck in what does it mean to you adam hurry to get stuck in on a football well, pitch to me it's um even to this day you know in the in the age of enlightenment in in football um it's still just you know a very english and british thing it's it's the it's the very bare minimum that any player in any position could do in a match against any opposition uh, even if they're, if they're particularly good which is to get stuck in uh, let them know that you're there because uh it's it, it's kind of deemed to be the bare minimum, bare minimum that a player can offer to a football game, which is to make their physical presence known. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing that historically uh, English football fans like, it's, it's effort and, and physicality. And uh, that's where it comes from. Getting stuck in, getting in there. 
Adam, uh, you, you threw out "let them know you," let them know you're there, and that that is one. It's funny we're talking all about football cliches and cliches in the soccer world, but for all of you hockey fans and fans of sporting movies out there, one of my favorite movies of all time, as far as the sporting arena goes, is a hockey movie from the 1970s starring Paul Newman and the Hanson brothers. It was called Slap Shot, and there's one of the greatest scenes in that entire movie is Paul Newman giving his pregame chat uh, to all of the all the boys in the locker room before their big hockey game. And when you're out there, you let them know you're there. And then you let them know you're there. And he tells everybody to let them know that you're there every time. And one of the players looks at him and goes, yeah, bleed on them. Let them know you're there. Exactly. Oh, that's, how, that's how we do it. It's all about masculinity. It's all about getting stuck in and letting them know you're there. That's how I come into this radio show every day. I let you know that I'm there. <laughs> We're back with more with Adam Hurry right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Really been looking forward to this show. Cannot wait to continue it in just a few minutes. On the other side of this break, World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline broadcasting network we're going to talk about the managerial merry-go-round on the other side of the break stay tuned if you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game ngsn may be the online streaming service you're looking for freesoccertrial.com With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD, and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish. And this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the U.S., Try it, and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Freesoccertrial.com. Cheers. See the world's best matches live wherever you are with Fox Soccer to Go. Watch select live matches on your smartphone, on your tablet, and on your computer. Get the app, get the games, and get your fix. Live soccer and more. Anytime, anywhere. Sign up to watch the Bundesliga and Champions League at SoccerOnDish.com. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting because at DraftKings.com, you could start the season by winning a piece of $10 million. And for the first time, DraftKings will crown two millionaires in one day. DraftKings is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your winnings. Don't wait until the end of the season to get paid. You've already been scouting players for your season-long fantasy team Put that knowledge to the test in week one and every week this football season at DraftKings.com. You could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Start by winning your share of $10 million. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Get to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ATTACK to play free for your shot at the $2 million top prize in the week one Millionaire Maker. That's ATTACK for free entry at DraftKings.com. 
It's fall flooring season with incredible deals on the hottest styles right now at Lumber Liquidator's Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale. Choose from over 400 great floors with over 20 laminate styles like American-made mahogany for just 49 cents a square foot. More than 30 bamboo floors like carbonized bamboo for only $159. And over 150 hardwood floors like pre-finished gunstock oak for only 99 cents. With a dollar off Bellawood, 20% off Dream Home Laminates, plus great floors, wood-like tile, final and more. With 24-month special financing, the Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale is going on now. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you. World Soccer Talk Radio, back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Coming to you live from headquarters in San Francisco, California. I'll be sure to wear a flower in my hair a little bit later. My name is Nate Abarea. Pleasure and a privilege to be with you. As always, World Soccer Talk Radio. Thanks for downloading us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Go into worldsoccertalk.com and get involved in the Twitter sphere. That wild thing known as the Twitter sphere. Support grassroots soccer in the Twitter sphere. Get it live. Get it going. Adam Hurry, the author of Football Clichés, is our guest in this edition of the program. And Adam, this book is such a, a, a linguistic analysis. It's such a, a, a an inside look, a, a magnifying glass on British footballing vernacular. However, right. there's there's one chapter where this book went in a bit of a different direction for me as I was reading it. And that was the seventh chapter entitled The Managerial Merry-Go-Round, where there's there's right. some there's some definitions of cliches in here and the, the, the overall theme of the book is, is clearly present within this chapter. But of all the chapters in the book, this one went into a little bit uh, of a different type of of analysis and we had we had Mike Calvin on on the show recently and the author oh, of the right, new yeah. the new book on football managers and we've talked with so many people about the the psychological side of of managing a football team whether it's in Britain whether it's in in America or or wherever it is around the world we focus a lot of time uh, on that on this show I want to talk with you now about the seventh chapter of your book and before I I, I shoot it to you I want to read the the opening to the chapter entitled the managerial merry-go-round. The modern football manager is the ultimate multitasker. There are forlorn strikers for him to put an arm around. There are water bottles to swig from at the precise moment the camera is focused on him, and there are virtually powerless fourth officials to berate. All while kicking every ball. Sounds like a little Arsene Wengerism there. All while kicking every ball. They once only had to be philosophical in defeat, but now they must establish their own philosophy for their players to buy into in order for the project to succeed. What did this chapter mean to you, and what did you learn as you were writing it, Adam? Well, well it's, it's to me, the, especially in, in modern football, um, it's a job that I cannot understand why anybody would want to do it. And being a player, <laughs> being a player must be great. And then when they when they have finally hang up their boots, they they're faced with a, basically two options. It used in the old days it used to be one option. They used to go and run a bar somewhere. Now now they've got two options. Um, you can go and work for TV, which sounds like a great job and and it's relatively easy. And then some of them choose the much harder option, which is to go and become a manager. And I, for the life of me, I don't understand where the rewards are for this kind of job. They all look utterly stressed out. Um, it's uh, you basically have to look after about twenty players who are. Um, half your age and earn twice as much, and um, no, and crucially, no one understands what a good manager is. No, no one really has any grasp of what makes a good manager. And, and it, I think it's true to say that uh, uh, the best managers are the luckiest ones. And then after all of that, 
um, if your team isn't playing well, you're the first one to get to get chopped off and, and, and you're sacked. So to me, it was just it's this kind of existential crisis that every manager seems to be going through um, from start to finish of every job. And uh, I thought it was worth a look. And it, it was perhaps a good example of a chapter in this book where it isn't just about the, the words and the phrases, but it's about the mannerisms and the things that they do and the way they act. Uh, you know, that, that, that shows that football cliches aren't just words. They're, they're just, you know, they're things that you, you, you see in front of you every, every week, but didn't realize that these are just patterns of weird behavior that happen all the time. Well, Adam, within that chapter, within chapter seven of the book, there's so many charts uh, that you created <laughs> for this chapter. And they're absolutely glorious. And my favorite one of all is the did you shake your opponent's hand uh, chart? <laughs> and it, it, there's, there's two options, yes or no. And if it goes down after yes, the next square says done. End of story. If it's no, then we go to why. Then we go to rift. Then we go to rattled. We go to bad loser. We go to war of words. We go to mind games. Cultural differences. Oh, one of my favorite. That's a that's a Jose Mourinho, Sir Alex Ferguson one right there. Cultural yeah. differences. It's the done thing. The storm. The row. The snub. The foreign influx. Again, Jose Mourinho comes back in. Reared its ugly head again. This one will run and run. And then we get all the way to the bottom. And we're recapping the top ten handshake snubs of all time in the managerial world. And what I'm saying is... As, as the reader of this book, it was it was a very different chapter and a different feel than the rest of the book. Did you did you feel that as you were writing it that that chapter seven within this book on football cliches was was one that was very unique in its qualities? I think I think perhaps you might be right. I think um, I think as I, as I touched on a minute ago, football managers are kind of a bit of a mystery. It's um, there are other other aspects of the game that are very easily explained or in right in front of your eyes, but a lot of football management goes on behind the scenes, and they're things that you just don't know. So perhaps a lot of this chapter was guesswork, or maybe it was just a kind of it was a it was just an attempt to kind of work out what is what is what is this existence that these terrible you know these poor people live through because it's, it's it seems to me to be a horrendous job and so so much much of this chapter is kind of dedicated to kind of the kind of horrendous psychological scars that these people bear day in day out doing what seems to be to be the hardest job in the world and uh, the example you gave there which was the handshake gate which was uh, uh, it, obviously in football now we have to add, we have to suffix everything with with the with gates because everything is a huge controversy <laughs> and a huge scandal these days. But um, the handshake gate, which is um, just to describe the situation, this is at the end of a game, and this happens more and more these days, where a manager who's fueled by injustice just won't shake the hand of his of his opponent, storms down the tunnel. Now um, that's incredibly bad manners, of course, and it, and but it, but it just goes to show that there are tiny little things in management's li- in managers' lives that get blown out of proportion. So uh, so you have this you know this extra layer of frustration that they have to deal with because you know a handshake gate doesn't just stop at that the handshake that didn't happen. Then they get asked about it. And then there's the focus on the next time the two managers meet. And to me, it's just an example of where managers just have the a most horrendous existence and. Uh, uh, as I said, they are the ultimate multitaskers because they have to be putting out fires left, right, and center. Adam, did you speak to any uh, any football managers in the creation of of not only this book as a whole, but but specifically the the creation of Chapter Seven uh, within the book? I don't know why you expected me to be doing any research for this book. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like much too much hard work uh, for me. I didn't speak to a single football manager, no, because uh, you know, I guess um, on a serious point, this book wasn't really trying to go behind the scenes of football. This this was this was me exploring football at its face value, exploring uh, the presentation of football as we all see it. So th- there was no value to go behind the scenes because I didn't want to find out the truth. I wanted to examine the, the codes and the non-truths that we're we're kind of presented with as as football fans. 
you know, day in, day out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of an examination of football at, it, at, its, at, it, at its face value, you know, whether it's, whether it's real or false. Well, Adam, there's a great sentence actually within Chapter 7 that is so applicable to what you just said, and it talks about the, uh, the cliche of, I don't know what the manager said to his players at halftime, but dot, 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 or the, uh, you know, oh, if, if only I could be a fly on the wall in the, in the changing room at halftime, and, and this, this mystery of the, of the halftime team talk and this thing that, that we know nothing about as the, as the outsiders. It's so beautiful and interesting to, to kind of take that look at it, being saying basically, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. There, there, there's supposed yes. to be a, a level of of mysterious nature to to a manager and the way he conducts business with his football team. Uh, and the and the dressing room is is a, is a sacred place. I mean, for, for for the most part, we we don't get any access to it at all. So we don't know what goes on in there. But the the, the halftime team talk is 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 another thing that just gets almost blown out of proportion. I mean, uh, you know, real sport is is not like in the films that that you described a minute ago with the ice hockey film. You know, if films, if sports films are to be believed, there, there are no tactical discussions going on at all. It's just all about spirit and heart and aggression and passion, as if that's the only thing that's going to win you a sports game. But um, yeah, but the, the, the halftime team talk, if uh, just before halftime, the, the, you know, the, the TV commentator will talk about how important his his halftime team talk is going to be. And then if the team improves suddenly after halftime, they'll have this this weird little discussion about what was it that he said at halftime as if that made any difference whatsoever. It's just pure chaos theory that they just happened to be, become better in the second half. It's very unlikely to have been whatever he said, said to them or threw at them at halftime that made any difference. Adam, of all the managers, of all the football managers in, in England and, and the rest of the world, but, but specifically focusing on, on the Premier League and even the lower divisions in England and managers that you've seen uh, over the years, who are some of your favorites as far as uh, their, their linguistic style, their, their use of, of football cliches and their creativity uh, with language? Um, well, let me think. Uh, I guess here in the Premier League uh, over the last few years, you have someone like, um, let's say, Steve Bruce. Who, who seems to, no matter how his team are doing, whether they're playing well or playing badly, he seems to have this kind of, not air of calm about him, but this air of resignation about him. And that, you know, if his, if his team have just lost 5-0 at Old Trafford or 5-0 at Stamford Bridge, he'll just, he'll sort of chuckle his way through a, through a post-match interview, no matter how badly his team plays, and just says, well, you know, what can you do? They've got £200 million of talent on their bench. And, and he, he's one of those kind of defeatist managers that just, he has this kind of smile on his face. And then there, there are other managers who are more kind of visual spectacles. You've got uh, the likes of Tony Pulis or, or Martin O'Neill, who, who, and this is a bizarre phenomenon to me. And I, I, I swear I've, this is maybe just me overthinking this, and it's almost certainly that. But um, <laughs> managers like uh, Tony Pulis and Martin O'Neill, whenever the camera's on them during a game, they pick that moment to go and have a little drink of water. So they, so my only conclusions are one of two things: either they're they're sponsored by these these mineral water companies, or two, they're just the thirstiest people in the universe. <laughs> well, Steve, I mean, if we're talking about Steve Bruce, I, I, I suppose you have to keep the the biggest head in all of world football. You have to keep it <laughs> hydrated or something. I don't know if it uses extra fluid or something. I can't speak I to Tony so. Pulis or or Martin O'Neill, but but you you even you joke about that here in, here in the opening of picking that perfect moment to take the take the swig from the water bottle and it, it's just it is hilarious when you think of it like that and as far as all these managers go I I love the the idea and, and you talk about this a little bit in the book of and this ties this all back together as we got to 
head to another break here. But of the of the cliche of footballing cliches and specifically these cliches that apply to the managerial world, how they can really be if used properly when speaking to the media and speaking publicly, that footballing cliches can really be a football manager's best friend. And if they, if used <laughs> wisely, they can get you out of a lot of sticky situations. We're going to talk about my other favorite chapter in the book on the other side of this break regarding football broadcasters, and we'll talk about. The football hipster, the slippery concept of the football hipster. So much good stuff in this book. Adam Hurry with us, the author of Football Clichés. Stay tuned. World Soccer Talk Radio. Things change as you get older. Glasses get thicker. Sunscreen gets stronger. Hair grows where it shouldn't. The same is true for your car. Some changes you can see, some you can't. So Valvoline created Max Life, our best defense against the hidden signs of aging for cars that are just getting started at 75,000 miles. We introduced motor oil in 1866, and we've been reinventing it ever since. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Visit AutoZone now and buy five quarts of Max Life and an oil filter starting at $23.99. See store for restrictions and details. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-414-1051. That's 1-800-414-1051. 1-800-414-1051. Call now. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall and Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall and Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall and Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall and Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help, and your insurance may offer coverage. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-521-3214. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven, gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 
World Soccer Talk Radio back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Nate Abarea here with Adam Hurry, the author of Football Clichés, Decoding the Oddball Phrases, Colorful Gestures, and Unwritten Rules of Soccer Across the Pond. Now, Adam, we talked all about Chapter 7 of the book, and I'm, we're just going off of my, my two favorite chapters in, in reading this whole thing, and they came back to back. It was Chapter 7, and then Chapter 8 was the one that I looked at and went, ooh, this is going to be fun. This is coming right, in my, right, into, right into my ballpark right here. We're talking about soccer broadcasters. Who were the people, and, and the, the title of the chapter, uh, by the way, is, is For Me, Clive. A little, you know, nod, nod to all the, uh, the, the co-commentators that have worked uh, with Clive Tilsley over the years uh, in, in the UK. Right. Um, who are some of your favorite broadcasters? We'll get in, into chapter eight of the book uh, here in a few moments. Who are some of your favorite soccer broadcasters growing up and, and favorite broadcasters to this day, Adam? Oh, okay. Well, well growing up, I mean... Um... I was I was very lucky to be to be living through the golden era of, of football commentary here in the UK. So we, so you had the likes of John Motson and Barry Davis, who 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 were just absolute legends. And uh, these days, I guess because there is so much football on TV uh, over here and perhaps everywhere, uh, there are so many football commentators. I think it's probably difficult for any of them to become um, you know regarded as the voice of football anywhere because there is just so much football to watch. So I I think it's probably unfortunate because there's some very good commentators these days. But uh, they probably don't have the, you know, the chance to shine as as much as they did in the old days. We had uh, we had Martin Tyler uh, on the show recently, oh, and right. I, I love Martin Tyler. Uh, one of the things that we actually got into the specific craft of broadcasting, uh, he talked about the the inflection of uh, uh, and pronunciation of vowels. And that's one thing yeah. uh, within within a lot of broadcasts. This is like real intricate, detailed stuff. But the emphasis on a long vowel, and everybody with Martin Tyler always gives him a little bit of shtick of the uh, the Aguero. You know how many how many yeah. O's are you going to put on Sergio's name this time around? But but little intricate stuff like that. Have you picked up little little things like that over the years? And and have you been able to listen to broadcasters and and hear their cliches and hear their vowel inflection and and how they may be unique to others? I, I, I thought I thought this book went into you know too much surgical detail. I didn't get to the point where I was I was analysing the vowel sound. So I, <laughs> I, I, maybe I need to spend more time with Martin Tyler. Maybe, but, you need, maybe you know, yeah, maybe you need to do more research, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, we've established that already. Don't no worries about that. I'm lazy is my middle name, so it's fine. But um, the thing with Martin Tyler is that he's he would he'd been around for a hell of a long time. He's been commentating for decades, it seems, and I. It, it was easy to think that someone like him would find it quite difficult to 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 sort of move into this new modern kind of bombastic era of football commentary. But I think he's actually made the move quite well. It, he seems quite natural because, you know, the channel he works on over here, Sky Sports, is, is known for its kind of over the top and kind of 21st century approach. You know, it, it's it's you know, it's pretty shameless in that way. But we're talking about a, quite an old school commentator. But he's actually done it quite well. So his Aguero moment, for example, which has become kind of his thing. Um, every time he's interviewed, every time he's interviewed about it, he's asked about this moment. And he said, you know, do, do you plan these things ahead? And he says, no, I don't. This is just something, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a football fan just like you. And, and these are these things that just come to my mind straight away. And that's how I felt like I should have reacted to it. So I did. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, what, what more do you want from your commentator other than to uh, extend a, you know, a, a, a three-syllable name much further than it needs to be. Well, as far as the, the thesaurus and the, and the defining of, of so many of these, these cliches and these age-old adages within the book, there are a few chapters 
more, I don't want to say more important, but I mean, there, there's nobody that uses football cliches more than a play-by-play broadcaster himself or, or, or herself. Yeah. And so that's why the chapter was, was so important to me. And I'm going to ask you something now. It just, it makes me laugh. I was thinking about this question back about an hour ago that as a, uh, as a young uh, American baseball broadcaster here in the States, I once had a, uh, a boss tell me, yeah, you know, you're doing well, Nate, but you use way too many cliches on the air during the <laughs> ball games. And then I've had, uh, well, calling uh, soccer matches, calling lower division uh, soccer matches, doing TV uh, play-by-play work. I've had the exact same thing almost said to me, the slight difference being, Nate, I love how many cliches you use during right. your broadcast. Where does it, well, where's, where's the line for, for a play-by-play broadcaster with the use of, of cliches and these, these age-old adages that we speak about? Where do you draw the line in terms of too much or too little? Well, I have huge sympathy with these people. Um, you know, I, when I was growing up, I thought it was an easy job. And then, I, and then as I began to understand their craft, I realized it, it's, it's a really difficult job. They do a hell of a lot of homework before these games. They're taking with them, you know, unbelievable amount of notes into every game just so they know what's going on in front of them. So uh, amidst all that, I, I have a great deal of sympathy. So to me, they get a free pass for the cliches that they use up to a certain point, as you say. There has to be this kind of point where you think, OK, well, there has to be something new you can say about the game that's going on in front of you. But most of the time, if you've got a split second to call something that's happening in front of you, then, you know, cliches are there for a reason. As I, as I said right at the very start and as I make clear in this book, the cliches are not, are not a bad thing. They exist for a reason. If, you know, if, if cliches were overwhelmingly bad or overwhelmingly untrue, then people wouldn't use them and they would die off. But most of them survive because they've become what I describe as hyper true. You know, that they, they, they describe something so well, but they almost don't need saying, but they get said anyway. So commentators can use them as, as, as much as they like. I've got no problem with it at all. It's, I just find it fascinating when they do say them. What do you what goes through your mind when you listen to uh, Americans uh, call call the game of soccer and and do you notice what are some of the differences that you notice in terms of the cliches uh, that they may use and I, maybe going back into to voice inflection stuff like that but specifically looking at the language and and the foundation of this book entitled Football Cliches have you listened to many American soccer broadcasters and what do you what have you noticed uh, in terms of their style and their use of of these words and cliches that we speak of. I have listened to quite a bit of um, US commentary over the sort of last few years. I mean, I've, I've um, watched Fox Soccer quite a bit um, for the Premier League games at the weekends. And, you know, it's it's got to the point where these days where, you know, for, for so many reasons that UK football fans really are not allowed to patronise Americans about soccer anymore at all. It's way past that point. We're just not allowed. We're not allowed to, you know. You mean, you mean Adam, you mean because we, we actually make it out of the group stage, right? For what? That's one of the reasons. And uh, and regardless of where, regardless of how the US team do, um, it seems to everyone involved in the US soccer seems to enjoy it a lot more. And uh, I think it's got to the point where we're actually quite jealous of that. You know, the fans uh, and everyone involved in the World Cup. You were having a hell of a lot of, uh, uh, more of a fun time than we were, uh, regardless of how the teams are doing. So, yeah, we're jealous of that straight away. But, yeah, it's got to the point where, you know, where we can't exert some sort of, you know, superior intellects over football anymore. Because if there's, you know, if there's one thing, if one thing we know that Americans do well, it's covering sport. And, they, and uh, regardless of which sport it is, they're going to be doing better than most other people. So, and I think soccer has got to that point as well. But in terms of the unique language, it's, um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's lots of technical phrases that, that seems so alien. I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but we're talking about the really mundane, you know, um, technical terms in, in, a, in a football game that, that Americans just have a whole different set of words and phrases for that, that don't, you know, 
you know, fit quite right with us. But there's one there's one thing that I've noticed maybe over the last couple of years, and I'm surprised I didn't notice it before. But um, and this is this is probably quite common to to American sport. But it's it's the it's the act of describing a, a club um, uh, in, in a singular. So uh, we would talk about um, uh, Chelsea lost uh, Chelsea lost its third game in a row. We would say Chelsea lost their third game in a row, and and to, it's so jarring to it to it to an English football fan to see um, clubs described like that way. But then it's perfectly natural for an American to talk like that. And then you, and then uh, after thinking about it for five minutes, you realize it doesn't matter at all. You need to get on with your life. <laughs> well, you, you taught us, the, you, you taught us the bloody language. Now it's up to us to completely butcher exactly. it. So yeah, moving. Exactly. Well, that's what language is for. That's what language is for. Exactly. I, I will gladly butcher it for, for any of you English listeners out there. Anytime, call me, get me, get at me on Twitter at Nate WST. Let me know how I can butcher the language that you invented, please. Now uh, I want to jump to the end of the book. Now, one of my other real favorite parts uh, within this thing. You used a term, this is one of the final terms, one of the final things you put in quotes uh, as, as the book wound to a close. I think it's actually on the final page. The football hipster. And you talk about right. the slippery concept of the football hipster. Adam, please tell the good listeners of World Soccer Talk Radio what you mean, what you're describing, the person that you're describing when you, when you say the words, the football hipster. Okay, well, this is just a phrase that, that deserved a little footnote at the bottom of the page to really go into some detail about the actual the phrase. It, it's it's a very slippery concept, the, the, the concept of the football hipster, and it's kind of emerged maybe over the last five or six years. And it's one of those things that as, that, um, as soon as it arrived in the mainstream, it, there was a backlash to it almost straight away. So so football hipster has become almost an insult now. Uh, it, uh, it's, 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 in theory, it's supposed to be someone who who has a fascination for progressive football tactics, uh, maybe second-tier European leagues, like the Dutch League or, uh, or the French League. Or, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's become a kind of pejorative term, and uh, people are railing against it because it's, it got to the point where people say, well, I want to enjoy football from these countries. I want to enjoy football away from the mainstream because the mainstream has become so overwhelming. And it's, it's reached saturation point. So, so the footballing hipster, as quickly as it arrived into the lexicon of football, has, has kind of gone out again because, you know, it's, um, people don't want to be seen as football hipsters, but they're starting to reject the phrase entirely anyway. So it's an example of a cliche that has disappeared almost as quickly as it turned up within the space of maybe three or four years. It's very strange. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess we're all football hipsters to a certain extent. Well, the, uh, the, the thing for, for me here in the States is with the U.S. men's national team. That's where the football hipster always comes into play, or the soccer hipster, as we'd call it here. Of, you know, if you, can, uh, if you can tell me about the, the USA-Barbados match from the year 2000, and, and you can tell me about you know, mid, mid-90s U.S. soccer and rainy qualifiers in Panama, and also, then you're a U.S. men's national team hipster. You, know, you, 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 yeah. were, you were into this thing, before, as, as they always say, before it was cool. You know? Exactly. Well, e- even I can tell you about uh, 1980s and mid-1990s American uh, World Cup qualifiers. So I guess that classifies me as a, a global football hipster, which you're I'm delighted a, by. You're a global footballing hipster, Adam Hurry, and you're a so, fantastic so. guest on this show. <laughs> and we've got about three minutes left here with you. Again, the book Football Clichés. Absolutely love it. It was privileged to get an advanced copy of this thing. Got to read all the way through it and really uh, highlighting some of my favorite chapters as well as some of adam's uh, most enjoyable experiences in creating this thing and in the uh, now under three minutes that we've got left here with you i want to ask you real quickly going back to your childhood your footballing upbringing we got to rapid fire these things first uh who was the first club that you supported uh, as a child adam 
I, well, yeah, I, I grew up in um, I grew up in Pakistan when I was a kid, and uh, the only um, the only uh, club I had access to at that, that time, so we're talking sort of the late eighties, early nineties, was Liverpool. So I couldn't say I supported them, but they were the only team I was aware of at any stage. And then uh, when I finally gathered my senses when I returned to the UK, uh, I decided. I decided, and uh, this is a very, this is honestly a true story. This is a very arbitrary decision. But my brother, who's a Spurs fan, uh, he just said, "Right, you've got to support a team. It's got to be someone who roughly near to where we live." So we we basically just chose one at random, and that was Chelsea. And uh, and I've never looked back. So, but yeah, it's important to emphasize that I was I was a fan well before the money turned up. Oh, yeah, and you're speaking to a diehard Liverpool supporter, so you had me here. That was like the ultimate tease. You had me here, like, pumping my fist. I'm looking at the engineer going, all right, man, the, the oh, international just, brand whole... of Liverpool. And then it just ends with you just stabbing me in the side. Yeah, it was a whole other time. The shirts were nicer back then. What can I say? <laughs> all right, uh, first favorite footballer. This will be the last one as far as this, this childhood memory. First favorite footballer, Adam Hurry. Oh, no, that's not difficult at all. Uh, Gary Lineker, without a shadow of a doubt. To me, he summed up, uh, you know, uh, the kind of slightly detached um, wonder that was 1980s football. You know, you know, you were reading and seeing things about it, but you were never going to get anywhere near it. And uh, Gary Lineker, you know, Mexico 86 and Italia 90. Perfect. Adam, hurry before we let you go. Please let the good listeners of the show know how they can get a hold of this book, Football Clichés. Well, everywhere that they would expect, uh, Amazon.com, uh, maybe Barnes & Noble, which I've discovered is uh, your equivalent of Waterstones over there. So, uh, um, yeah, wherever they can think of, they'll be able to find it there, and uh, I hope they enjoy it. Are you in the Twitter sphere, Adam? I am indeed, Football Clichés. At Football Clichés. Get Adam. That's right. Get at, get Adam. Get at Adam. There you go. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> Adam, hurry, our guest right let here. Me, let me know you're there. Let him know. Get out of on Twitter and let him know you're there. Get stuck in. You gotta love it. My goodness. Adam Hurry, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely love the book. It was awesome getting to read this thing before the show. And uh, best of luck as you spread the gospel of football cliches all around the footballing world, sir. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Again, that was Adam Hurry. The book is Football Clichés, Decoding the Oddball Phrases, Colorful Gestures, and Unwritten Rules of Soccer Across the Pond. We're taking the express train home right here on World Soccer Talk Radio on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? but you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedars-Sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California. 
dedicated to your health, your life, and your sports. As a weekend warrior, you know about sports injuries and pain. Exercise is an important element in keeping your body's core in good shape to minimize sports injuries. But when you are in pain, there is one product that I recommend to my patients, and that is Blue Goo Gel. Blue Goo consists of a proprietary formula developed specifically for the treatment of inflammation and general muscle aches and strains. I recommend Blue Goo for my patients coping with hip and knee pain before surgery, especially bursitis and tendonitis. Give Blue Goo a try. Call 1-888-330-0123 and you'll receive a one-week supply of Blue Goo absolutely free. The makers of Blue Goo are even paying the shipping. The number again is 1-888-330-0123. If you want more information on Blue Goo, visit online at www.dothegoo.com. Now available at select big five stores near you. Today, more than ever, Americans need a means to protect their life savings. With a troubled economy and government spending out of control, they've been forced to promote loose money policies, which decreases the value of the dollar and promotes inflation. Birch Gold Group can help you protect your savings by rolling over all or a portion of your IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold. Take advantage of the best gold prices in years and enjoy the long-term hedge against inflation that gold provides by moving into a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Call Birch Gold Group today for a free consultation on how a tax-free rollover to a gold IRA can offer stability, protection, and the peace of mind that your life savings, which you've worked so hard to build, is safe. Call 888-221-0010 and receive Birch Gold's free information kit, which offers the best-kept secrets for safeguarding your savings with gold. Call 888-221-0010. That's 888-221-0010. World Soccer Talk Radio back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I was just checking out old YouTube videos of old school NASL soccer, specifically some matchups between the Rowdies and the Cosmos. Such a historic rivalry filled with so much passion, so much intensity, so many great players, so many great memories, all that good stuff, filled with so many great football cliches as well. And this Saturday... The Rowdies and the Cosmos will be doing battle in Tampa Bay. And our good friends Cardick and Ken will be on Rabble.tv at 7.15 p.m. Eastern time in stadium. That's right. There have been a few of these on Rabble. This is a new a new avenue with everything that Rabble brings to the world of sports commentary. And I love it. They are going to be in stadium with the fans, with the Rowdy Rowdy Rowdies in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Rowdies and New York Cosmos. That's right. That name that just ruffles feathers all around the American soccer landscape. The Cosmos. Love them. Hate them. They're fun. They're entertaining in a number of different ways on and off the pitch. It's the Rowdies and it's the Cosmos live on Rabble.tv. Turn on the ESPN3 broadcast, mute the TV, mute the stream, then head on over to Rabble. Listen to Cardick and Ken call the game live from in-stadium. Tampa Bay Rowdies and New York Cosmos on Rabble.tv. Rabble, it's free. It's your team. It's your call. Proud supporters of World Soccer Talk Radio. For the producers right here in San Francisco and the gaffer Christopher Harris and our guest Adam Hurry, the author of Football Clichés, my name's Nate Abarea, signing off for World Soccer Talk Radio. Bye for now.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.